Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. And I'm feeling loopy today because I had a little caffeine, which I never have. But you know, it's a new year, it's a new me. I'm also extremely jet lagged, but that's another story for another time. But I can't, <laughs> thank you. I can't wait. When she says she's never has caffeine, I think it's been 27 years since you've had caffeine. Yeah, I really never, ever have caffeine. I don't need it usually, but today I need a little pick-me-up. But I'm super excited because we're recording in person. Finally. And we're also recording video. Hello, video watchers. So we'll remember, Meredith and I are used to recording with no video. So if we like only look at the desk, please forgive us. <laughs> we're going to try to remember we have a camera that we're trying to look at occasionally. I my hair. Good for you. I know. That's more than me. Yeah, but we have different hair. <laughs> I don't comb my hair. I don't actually ever. Once a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's about right. Okay. Anyways, so we were kind of like, oh, what should we talk about today? So we're going to try to answer some frequently asked questions. And here's one we get all the time, not just from clients, but just from random people on the street once they find out that we've worked in private schools. They're like, oh, what school did you work at? So I'm wondering, what do you think about sending my kid to private school? We're trying to decide. We have a fourth grader. We have a sixth grader, like whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. right? And we're trying to decide if we want them to apply to the local private high school that we hear is amazing and is really going to help my kid get into college. Ha ha. Just kidding. Uh No, but really people say that a lot. (laughs) So I think this is why we get this question Mm -hmm. is because parents want to know, am I not doing everything I can to support my child's success if I don't send them to private school? What do you think about that, Meredith? Mm. Is that accurate? Do you feel like that's the motivation, generally speaking? Generally speaking, yes. I think that is the motivation. I want to be fair. I don't want to like – paint an unfair picture of what I we're getting that's, I mean, I think there are different motivations. Sometimes it's, you know, for religious reasons, right? There may be a, it may be important for your child to go to a faith-based school. For others, it may be that you live in a place where the public school system is not real competition for the private schools. The public school system maybe is really under-resourced in some way. And you're in a position as a family to actually be able to consider private school. So I think there's a lot of different motivations why someone would ask that question. But it's a question that, in fact, we do get asked quite a bit. I often am getting asked that question in a grocery store. I don't know what it is about grocery store or... (laughs) Just to Trader Joe's, you're like, I'm just trying to get some Joe's O's, y'all. I'm really just trying to get my bucket of little chocolate chip cookies (laughs) and bounce. Yeah. But since this question comes up a lot, man, and I think there's so much wrapped up into it because you and I have mostly worked in private schools I have worked in a public school back east, and I believe very much in sort of the public school system. And 
It is also a reality that the public school system, and I think it depends also, are we talking K-8? Are we talking high school? We got feelings about both. There's a different environment. There can be a different environment. And I don't think that's necessarily a better or a worse environment, but there can be a different environment in a public school setting, whether at any grade level, as compared to a private school setting. So once again, I think this conversation comes down to the V word. (gasps) I know what it is. I know what it is. What? Because I'm going to say the same thing. Values. Yes. (gasps) Was I right? Of course. Yeah, of course. I got it, y'all. No, it's it, 100%. So, like, how do you answer that question as a parent? Because parents always want to know. But is my kid going to have a better chance of getting to Stanford if I send them to Menlo? <laughs> <laughs> I really love your parent voice, like your parent impersonation voice. That's my parent impersonation. It's Sorry, pretty, y'all. <laughs> I actually don't think I've ever met a parent that sounds like that. <laughs> but I like it. But parents want to know because they look at them. Yeah. You know, a friend of a friend sends them a college matriculation list and they're like, oh, my God, look at Menlo sent 13 kids to Stanford. Obviously, I got to get my kid to yeah. Menlo because their kids do way better at Stanford. Well, Menlo is like, for those of you who are not local, Menlo is a school I used to work at. It, yeah. it work at and it's literally a mile from Stanford University. And the school does, Menlo does matriculate a lot of students yeah. to Stanford. But there's also, because we're a mile away, those kids are pretty connected to that school in a lot of ways. So it's not just like Stanford likes Menlo, which is a narrative that I think people like to spread. Like, oh, this school does oh, yeah. really well at this yeah. college because they have a special oh. relationship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that the school has a special relationship, but maybe some of the members of its community have special relationships just because of geography. But anyways. You digress. Yeah, yeah I digress a little. I, you know, I want to – Invoke my background a little bit here and talk about this from a developmental perspective. So what are the needs of early childhood learners are different than the needs of adolescent learners? And what kind of academic setting could most fit those needs that also satisfy your family's values? So for example, if one of your family's values is to have like dynamic social emotional learning as a part of your child's educational journey, which I think is, you know, like kind of important personally – because that's the stuff that Kathy and I talk about that leads to healthy development, healthy maturation over childhood, then you need to pay particular attention to what kinds of services that school may or may not offer in that area. If your child's really artistic and creative, then you need to look at and you want to sort of continue to inspire their love for the arts. Okay, well, what environment can most provide those opportunities? Sometimes the answer is a private school. Sometimes the answer is a public school. Mm -hmm. So I think it really depends on what are you looking for for your child's education? What are your values? And this is my bias. I think what educational setting will tend to the whole child as much as possible. And I think there are trade-offs regardless of which decision you make. I think that's the net takeaway. If you listen to nothing else that Kathy and I say after this, I think – Know that there is no one perfect option. It's not that private schools are somehow better or public schools are somehow better. It's a really individualized decision. Yeah, I think that that point can't be pushed home hard enough, which is that (laughs) there are trade-offs. Either way, there is – it's not like private school – some kids think they get into X private school. Everybody knows it in their community and they've won the lottery. Like, my future is set no. Because I am going to this school and everybody knows that people who, co- who go to this school are going to go to X college and be rich and have wonderful lives. You know, it's – That's always how life works. That's – I know. Very linear. But 
you know, I think that there is that narrative out there. And so yeah. I, I want to dispel that because I think it's setting kids up for disappointment and setting families up for disappointment. And if you look at this process from a values lens, you're going to be much happier in the end with the outcome because the outcome is not going to be external, right? Right. If you are 100% looking at private school as a transaction, you are going to be disappointed. You are making it for the, yeah, especially if this is a secondary environment and you're looking at it through the sort of college admission lens, you will be sorely disappointed. You're going to be in for a little bit of an ass whooping. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, because it's just yeah. not how it works. Well, but let's, let's <laughs> I bet we're going to say the same thing. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Oh my God. <laughs> we actually haven't seen each other in a, almost a month. Like, what are you going to say next? I'm scared. <laughs> okay. I was going to talk about some of what I perceive as sort of the differences between the settings. Is that what you were going to talk about? I was going to talk about the trade-offs, which might be – might be. Let's talk differences. Yeah. Then let's talk trade-offs. Yeah. Let's talk pros and cons. Okay. So – and I'm going to break it down. Oh, gosh. K-8 high school, they're not totally the same, but there's some common denominators. So most private schools are going to be – able to facilitate a smaller learning environment overall. The total population of students will be smaller. The individual class sizes will be smaller. And so presumably the teacher to student ratio will be smaller than what you would find in a public school, though not always. Well, why does that matter? That can be really important for students who are maybe shyer, especially younger students who are still finding their academic footing and confidence. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a smaller more nurturing private school setting can bring that out in them a little bit more. They don't fall through the cracks. You know, when I worked in private schools, you couldn't fall through the cracks. Like too I saw you. Too, too many, many too many eyeballs on you. Yeah. So that's something. So for students who maybe feel like they're still kind of getting their stride or they need a little bit more differentiation in the instruction, often private schools, although I have thoughts about this, I think public schools sometimes do this better. Private schools can facilitate more kinds of accommodations, right? Not everything is sort of the same. In addition to that, that also sometimes, you know, the, because you're paying for school, that also usually means other kinds of resources and services that may be harder to come by. So that could be a really fancy athletic program at the high school level because that's what that school cares about. And they raise a lot of money to support that. It could mean a really cool maker space. It could mean they have, you know, five school counselors instead of the abysmal one to 1,000 ratio in public high schools in California, right? So it can mean more wraparound services, maybe transportation. You know, there's a busing system, maybe mm -hmm. food. So there can be a lot of support architecture for your child in a private school setting. In a public school setting, that exists. In fact, legally, it must exist. There, you know, the state of California or any other state has a Department of Education. There's the Federal Department of Education. And there are certain rules that schools need to follow in order to accommodate things like students with learning differences or physical disabilities. And to be perfectly honest, a lot of times public schools do that better. Let me give you an example. I have a friend who's a physical therapist who works in schools. All of the private schools where I have worked, while they are lovely and they are they sell themselves on sort of the one-on-one -on -one attention that a student will receive. They're incredibly difficult to navigate for anyone who's not physically abled mm -hmm. in any way. Oh, yes. And 
the school itself, the Royal Resource, they're way behind public schools in, frankly, because they don't receive federal funding. They don't have to follow certain Title IX regulations, certain ADA regulations. So that means for a student who's like wheelchair bound or has vision issues Mm -hmm. or hearing issues, issues, they are often- Learning issues even. Learning issues. They are often more resources to be found for those students in public school settings. My friend is a PT in schools, and so she goes to different public schools, and she helps teachers set up the physical structures of the classrooms, and you know, kids need special desks and things like that. This is a K-8 environment. That kind of stuff doesn't happen in private schools. No, because private schools don't have to admit those kids, and they don't. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, we That's used to, right. I used to teach a class, a social justice class at Menlo, and we would talk about like how many kids in the class have you ever noticed at Menlo with a physical disability? Yeah. So educational equity, big undercurrent of this conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So what are so those are some differences in environment. Would you add anything to that, Kathy? I would just say that, you know, the social aspect can be really important too as you're thinking about setting for your child. That's not to say Oh, private schools have every kid at every private school is just the nicest, and there'll be there won't be any bullying, none of that. That's just not true. That's false. That's false. You and I both worked in student affairs at both schools, and we both know that there is plenty of bullying happening yeah. and bad behavior. Yeah. So that's not a guarantee. But if you truly understand your child, right, or if you look at your child and look at the supports that you think they need to thrive, and understand themselves better, be more comfortable with who they are and explore their identity, whatever that might be, finding an environment that will support that is important. And that can be different in public schools and private schools. Mm -hmm. And it's something to look at. And I've had parents come to me and say, we knew that our son or daughter would socially just collapse at this big public school Mm -hmm. because- They're developmentally, social-wise, like they're way behind. They're not as sophisticated. They're not going to be able to make the friend groups or find Mm -hmm. the friends that they Mm -hmm. need to feel supported in school. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's actually, aside from the academic consideration, I think the social consideration is a big one for a lot of parents. Yeah. I think it also speaks to the fact that I would say this is probably a – I think this is true – By and large, private schools are going to do more hand-holding, and that shows up in a lot of different Mm -hmm. ways. Academically, you'll get the retake on the test that you failed or the extension on the deadline. Socially, it might be a little bit more different kinds of kids. You know, there's less sort of – when you have a really small class size, there's less in and out groups. Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Big asterisk next to that. You know, I've dealt with, as a dean of students, a lot of my time was spent managing bad adolescent behavior. So – I do think if you recognize there are pros and cons to a lot of handholding, right? You know, you hear Kathy and I talk about resilience and adulting and how critical it is for healthy development of young people to learn how to stand on their own two feet. Some of us can dive into the deep end of the pool and swim. Some of us, that's too overwhelming. That's not our proximal zone of development. That's not where we learn. We actually kind of collapse and go inward and learned helplessness takes over. So where your child is on that balance point, how you want them to thrive and develop, I think is an honest moment you need to have with yourself or your partner or your child. I would Mm -hmm. include children in this conversation. I think that's really important that they have some agency in the decision making. And 
So again, if there's trade-offs, because I have worked with students who have been in private school settings their entire lives, they are now at that place where they're embarking into a sort of quasi-independent setting of college, and they are ill-prepared for that. They have had too much hand-holding. They have had too much snow plowing. Too much has come their way too easily. I have had other students who have had a much tougher road. They're very resilient. They're very gritty. But I know that they've missed certain opportunities or they're a little too gritty, right? You know, they're sort of a hardened 45-year-old trapped in a 17-year-old body. (laughs) So I think, again, it's really about investigating how – this is a question I would want any parent to try to answer. Who do you want your kid to be at 25? What qualities, characteristics, skills, habits of mind and heart do you want them to possess? which environment can best facilitate their development of those habits and those skills. Be less attached to whether that comes in a public school setting or a private school setting and more attached to sort of the values that you want to drive the decision making. A hundred percent. And I, you know, I think it's also important as you're talking, I'm reminded that, you know, we are using a binary of public school versus private school. We are. And there is a spectrum of public schools and there's a spectrum of private schools. Yes. So it is really difficult for us to say just this private versus public, this is better than that, right? Because there's a spectrum of schools in terms of what they offer for social emotional development, what they offer academically, what they offer in terms of extracurriculars. So I just want to put that little caveat in there yeah. and do your due diligence, right? Don't just, if you are in the process of exploring, there are plenty of schools that are private that parents come to us and say, have you heard of this school? What do you think about it? And Meredith and I are like, "Mm, we're not huge fans. Yeah. (laughs) I actually think your local public school is better, you know? So let's just be clear. Totally. I mean, in the state of California, you know, the public school system gets kind of a bad rap, but here in the Bay Area, private schools really compete with public schools at all levels of education. Mm -hmm. And so- you know, really go into the process with an open mind and kind of make it your business to research the different options because you might be really surprised. You might be, all of us went to public school, we'll never consider a private school. And then you go to one and you realize, oh my gosh, like what a cool spot, you know, but they like, I think the thing to know about private schools is that they are all different from each other. They have distinct missions. They have distinct sort of values that drive their decision-making. If you're looking at a Waldorf school versus a Montessori school versus an independent school versus a parochial school, they all do school differently and really differently. And that's not going to be equally awesome for every child. So I think, yeah, it's just really anchoring that in values and knowing also like kind of trusting that your kid's going to be fine. Yeah. They're going to be okay. Pretty resilient and – you probably aren't going to make a bad choice for them, honestly. No, you will. You will, <laughs> particularly at the high school level. If you push your kid to be in an environment where lots of people prepared. are telling yeah. you they're not prepared, yeah. yeah. let's say your kid is just like a happy-go-lucky B, B-plus student, and you really think you know you came from an environment where it was really a high-octane academic setting and you believe that that's the kind of environment that your child will thrive in and they are telling you, the schools are telling you, their eighth grade counselor is telling you that that is not a good idea. I would listen to that because we've worked at very high-performing, you know, some of the top schools in the country. They are not always gentle places. So they're not always nice on kids in the end, right? 
you have to have a certain, you have to be made of some sturdy stuff sometimes to navigate those four years. Well, and it's a great transition point to talk about trade-offs. That's one of the big trade-offs that I always talk to parents about. And I was like, you want to send your kid to one of the top independent schools, private schools in your area, it is going to be a pressure cooker. Yeah. And do you have a kid who can hang. stay yeah, <laughs> hang, right? And stay positive and keep working towards improvement and keep a positive attitude through that? It's very hard. We see kids just getting beat down by independent schools because everybody's a striver. Oh, at least it feels that way. You know, the environment yeah. makes it feel like everybody's striving, everybody's doing better than me, everybody's the duck syndrome. Read my duck syndrome blog on the Village website. But basically, it's like everybody, you know, like a duck swimming in water, look very calm above the surface, but underneath they're paddling furiously. Thank you, Meredith, for the visual aids. <laughs> for those of you who are listening, Meredith is actually doing duck motions. <laughs> to make sure everybody understands the analogy. But just trying to bring it home. <laughs> just bring it home. But you know, it's the duck syndrome and I hear it all the times from kids yeah. that we coach, you know, they're like, I don't get it. Why am I so stupid? Everybody's getting it besides me. Yeah. Nobody seems to be stressed out but me. I'm like, uh-uh, everybody's freaking out and nobody's talking about it because it seems so cool to A, either be stressed out all the time. It's like the two things I see in private schools. It's like really cool to be busy and stressed. Like, oh my God, you guys, I'm freaking out about this thing. Okay, like there's They're that. Right. That's like normal and cool. Or the other thing is like, oh yeah, I don't really care about school, but I get A's. <laughs> <laughs> No big deal. It's just like, whatever. I'm like super smart. <laughs> okay, Kathy, I want to so – I, I, think, I think we need to be honest with the people. I'm thinking of something that I get asked a lot actually, Yeah. which is, if I send my kid to private school, are they going to do more drugs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just kidding. I <laughs> no, I think – which is a different Maybe. way of asking. I think what's really underneath that question is – if I send my kid, there's a socioeconomic inference, I think, being made. Yeah. Often that is true, where, you know, a school that costs $50,000 a year is going to have some subset of its population. Day school people, day for those of you not in California. Day, day school. school costs 50K. In 50K. Yeah. So for high school. Yeah. You, maybe you'll save 10000 for middle school. Middle school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, right, so that by – it's very construct means that there's going to be a whole subset of families who find themselves in a different socioeconomic bracket than, say, the rest of America. Mm -hmm. And not exclusively, there are robust financial aid packages. And I think if you're listening to this and you think to yourself, and you just had a heart attack when we said $50,000, <laughs> you should also know that these schools are working harder, I think, than they have before to have broader socioeconomic diversity. Yeah. And you should always consider the financial aid route. You should never totally rule out a school just because of the sticker price initially before you've done your research. But I get asked that question a lot. Well, there's so much partying and there's so much wealth and there's so much access and yeah, yeah. parents are supplying alcohol to their children mm -hmm. and the parties are out of control. Mm -hmm. And I worked at a school in Marin that has sort of a national reputation for adolescent binge drinking. Mm -hmm. And what do we think about that? Oh, Lord. <sighs> nice, easy one. I know. With, you know, four minutes left, Meredith, way to open a can of worms. But the parents want to know. <laughs> no, I think it's an important question. Well, I think that 
it's unfair to put that completely on private schools. I think any totally. – if you go – your kids are in public school in a wealthy school district, you're probably facing the exact same problems yeah. or challenges. But I think that that is just like op- – it. There, I'm getting stuck on my words because I'm just like there's so much to say about this in so little time. But the socio – and I'm touching Meredith now because I feel strongly about this. But the – Hold my hand. <laughs> but I do think the – when you go into a private school, and it, it depends on the private school, but if you are looking at some of these really high-achieving private schools, there are going to be wealthier families. I'll have parents say to me, like, we're just doctors. <laughs> like, we're like poor people at the school, right? Like, I'm a doctor and my husband's a lawyer. We're just like working class folks here. And it's true. I think that the challenge is like one of the trade-offs is like, wow, because some parents will say like, wow, this network is so amazing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I'm connecting my kids to and these this lifetime of, yeah. of friendships that they'll make with these people who are going to be some of the most successful and influential people in the country. I'm like, okay, great. And, you know, it also opens this world of vacation homes where you can party at, basements, pool houses, <laughs> private jets, private islands. I mean, private beaches. Like, I'm serious. Like, it does open this whole universe. A whole new world. Wow. <laughs> wow. I wasn't expecting Were you prepared that for that? This I wasn't. I did have I some matcha. Be. The matcha <laughs> the is matcha. showing. But it's true. It is just... One of those things. I think it also, the other thing we haven't talked about, and this is brief, it's just a reflection question, is as a parent, you'll be joining a community of other parents, whether you are in a public school or a private school. And I think it's important to kick the tires on that community a little bit. Are you with parents who kind of roughly share your values? I mean, everyone's going to be different, but are there a group of parents in that school setting where you're like, okay, we're similar. Our parenting philosophies are kind of the same. We believe in the school's mission. We believe that they stand for the same values that we stand for. Who do you want to hang out with at a PA meeting? Are you going to feel like weird in the back? Are you going to feel like you're comfortable and you not only comfortable, but you have ownership in that place and you can, you know, get involved in ways that are meaningful to you if that's something that you want to do. So I think it's also important for parents, especially if you're looking at a K-12 thing or K-8, you know, you got a couple of years you're going to spend somewhere. Check out the community. Check out what they do. Look at their calendars. You know, do your research. Go to the events. Go to schools. Talk to kids who go there. Let your kids talk. go outside of sort of just the regular admission path, especially if you're considering private schools. And really try to see what is that school like on a, you know, a Tuesday without all the sort of filtration that happens in the marketing for private schools. Oh, those open houses. They really roll out the red carpet and put up a panel of kids that are so diverse. They put <laughs> that do so much, and you just want your child to be just, just like, like them. them. <laughs> totally, Meredith and I used to pick kids for those panels. By the way, sure did. <laughs> we know exactly what those who those. I kids used to are. run all those panels. Exactly. I me too. Me too. So, anyways, we're almost out of time. Yep. I hope we've answered some of the pressing questions. Email us. Feel free. If you have thoughts, questions, or comments, and you'd like this to follow up on. But I'm going to end with a very hard question, Meredith, and we can cut it out if you don't want to answer it. (laughs) Okay. If you had a child who's- (laughs) I get this question all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You had a child. Uh You had a 13-year-old who's applying in high school. 13. Okay. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Would you consider 
some of the schools that you have worked at? Like the caliber, like, would you consider sending them to one of those schools? I have a lot of friends who still work at those schools. And we can cut it out. I'll answer it too. I don't give a – Would I? (laughs) I mean, okay. (laughs) Maybe. And it really depends on my kid. Yeah. I mean, and I'm really not trying to be cagey, but it would really depend on my child and what – I went to 12 years of Catholic school, and as much as I do not necessarily consider myself a practicing Catholic, there are certain aspects of sort of the moral values-based social justice-oriented education I received that I really appreciated mm-hmm. that independent schools do not have in the same way they try. Yep, yep. And there's a certain kind of value I have around being around people of different backgrounds that I think that actually makes people better in lots of ways. Yep. So those would be some of my filtration systems. But, you know, let's say I had a kid that was really precocious precocious, or really gifted in music and I could see that this was their real sort of passion. And that's private school down the street offers a music conservatory for, you know, and that, that I know that they could find like-minded folks and friends and they could thrive. I would consider it. Yeah. It wouldn't be an automatic no or an automatic yes. Good. I think you're being authentic and genuine. Yeah. I don't think it's a – you know, diplomatic answer. I actually think you're being honest. I am being honest. Yeah. I, you know, and I would say the same thing. A hundred percent. I used to say no. <laughs> I know. I did too. <laughs> I used to say that all the time. I'd be like, no, hell no. I would never send my kid there. But I think it does depend on, you know, I don't have a child. And so I don't know what that child would be like. Oh, what? <laughs> Go ahead. Finish your thought. I was just going to say, I do know that if I were to send my child to a school like Menlo, or Branson, where you used to work, mm-hmm. that child would, A, have to be really mature mm-hmm. and self-aware and resilient. Like, if I didn't think they could take some hard knocks, like get knocked on their ass and get some hard feedback about their academic ability, I would be like, ooh, honey, I don't know if you can take it. Yeah. <laughs> because the teachers don't pull any punches. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say is that if I had a child, I would want them to meet a Kathy Chen at some point in their high school journey. Oh. Oh, that's so nice, Meredith. But it's true. There are some really just, I mean, there, and this is, I have a dear, dear friend who's been in public schools her entire teaching career and now is an administrator. And I would say the same. I want someone to meet Amy. Yeah. Oh, there Amy. Are, I love Amy. I know. So there are just, <laughs> and that is one of the most important things, especially in adolescence, is that your adolescent children have adult role models that they can look up to that aren't you or your partner or like an aunt or an uncle. And so pay attention to that, you know, who are the people that are going to be spending more time with your kid than maybe you will be. You just did a great advertisement for Village Coaches, Meredith. Thank you very much. (laughs) That was totally unintentional, but I appreciate it because guess what? We do that for kids at the Village Coaches, both of us. And we're great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. (laughs) Great way to end the show. We are awesome facts. (laughs) To another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon.